Hey everybody, Ryan here coming at you with another episode of Ryan's Cinematic Obsessions, and today we're going to be talking about 1968's Night of the Living Dead. And for those of you who guys who are new to this podcast, this is just something where we get together, chat about movies. It's not some critic's take or anything like that, just a casual talk and look at movies. Hope you guys enjoy. As you guys know, if you're clicking on this, you've probably seen the film. For those of you who don't know, Night of the Living Dead is the first in the modern zombie film, I guess you could say. We've had zombies before, all the way back to Bela Lugosi in the movie White Zombie. There's been a lot of like dead walking type things in film in the past, but this is the first film that really deals with the zombies coming back from the dead, feasting on human flesh, and then humans, in turn, when they're intact, become zombies themselves. This is the first in the zombie era that we now know. The Walking Dead, all that stuff. So, what we have is a brother and sister are traveling far to see their um, dad's gravestone he has passed away in the past i can't to be honest with you i can't remember if it's his, if they're if it's their dad or if it's their uncle or their grandfather there's a male in the family that passed away they can't remember even what the person looked like they're traveling far just to leave flowers for their mom and it starts to rain the brother is starting to give his sister a hard time saying she's afraid and it just sets this whole atmosphere. All of a sudden, a stranger walks up and starts attacking them. And she escapes to a farmhouse. Turns out this guy is actually dead, and he is chasing her. And in the house, she um, comes across a group of strangers that are trying to survive what becomes this zombie epidemic. And they don't know what's going on. They're relying on... Uh, a TV, a radio, and like their own wits to figure out how the heck they're going to get through this. There's a power struggle. And that's the gist of Night of the Living Dead. I'm not going to go scene by scene because if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it. And you don't want to relive every single second of the movie by my voice. If you wanted to, you could actually watch the film. So the first time I actually saw this film was obviously when I was younger. Uh, there will be another episode about it, but this was not the first zombie film I ever saw. It wasn't even the first Romero film that I saw. I had previously seen Day of the Dead, and that was incredibly influential um, in terms of my movie-watching experience. I saw that soon after I saw the original Halloween. And so Day of the Dead will always hold a special place in my heart. But this is the original 1968 masterpiece, a very grim and stark black and white film. So when I was younger, I used to mow yards around the neighborhood and that's how I got my money. I'd mentioned that in a previous episode where I was talking about how I acquired my collection or the money to buy my collection. And one was a close family friend. We called them aunt and uncle. We were very close to them. And I would go over there on, they were significantly older. I think they were in their seventies at the time. And I would go over there and 
Um, she would actually have like a huge two liter of Coke for me. I would mow her yard. I would purposely take forever just so I could keep going back inside and drinking Coke. And her husband, um, he had a lot of health problems and he would randomly come out to the table where I was sitting at and he would tell me stories for hours. Well, in the back of their house, in the back room, was a very small, I would say like eight inch TV, maybe even smaller and a VCR, and he had an entire section of the room that was just VHS tapes, and these are those VHS tapes from their 80s, where there was a lot of public domain stuff going on, it wasn't even, you know, you take it out on the side instead of through the bottom, very generic labels, it's like Alpha Video, and like all these companies that just pumped them out, obviously Night of the Living Dead is a public domain film, and so... Uh, that was one of the VHSs that he had. So I would go through it and I would see a lot of obscure public domain movies. Didn't really know that's what they were at the time. I just thought they were just in bad quality because of the VHS tapes that they were on. They weren't any kind of special company that I was used to. Um, and I was just going through, you know, I had my head turned sideways. I was looking forever. And at the very end, there was something that said Night of the Living Dead. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I picked it out and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is black and white, but it's George Romero. At this point, I didn't really know that he started in the 60s. I only know, knew of Day of the Dead and I wasn't really big. Like, I didn't really know a ton about directors and stuff like how I do, how I did later. Because um, obviously I was only like eight years old, maybe at the time. And, uh, eight or nine. And so I brought it out and I was like, Hey, when I'm done mowing, can I borrow this? And they're like, sure. So I finished mowing. I pretty much did the rest of the yard in like 45 minutes. Uh, I finished very quickly because I wanted to get home and watch the film. And so I watched it. And at first I was like, man, this quality is terrible. And this is back when, before there was any kind of good transfer or restoration of Night of the Living Dead, way before the uh, Dimension Films release that Ramiro kind of oversaw a restoration of, and obviously way before the Criterion edition. This was just a plain old public domain VHS. And either way, I kept on watching it because I was like, man, there's just something so... Scary, And I feel like Night of the Living Dead is something that actually did benefit from being in public domain because more people saw it, more people saw it on TV, and they were able to fall in love with it like I did. And I think that the, the cheapness of the transfer that we were used to kind of fit with the film because it just adds to the grittiness and the, the eeriness of the film, especially with the soundtrack and everything like that. It's unfortunate in hindsight thinking about the film about how, um, you know, George Romero's latent image company changed the name, the latent image or whoever was distributing the movie did not put the copyright on it with the new title. And that is why it fell into public do public domain and Romero never made a cent off the film. It's just so devastating when you hear the stories and hear them talk about it because they gave everything to get this film made. They were very young and they didn't see a cent, even though it was definitely a huge thing at the time. You know, everybody was going to see this film on Saturdays and 
matinees and movie theaters and this, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so I think a lot of people were able to see it for that. So before I get off on a tangent um, about something else, so a few years ago, that same couple, uh, the husband had passed away, and then the wife, she was already like in her 80s by that point, she passed away. And my sister was very close with them too, and she was actually like part of the the planning of the funeral and all that kind of stuff and going through the house. The house has since been sold off and I think it was demolished and a new house was built on top. It was a very old house, but my sister was able to go into, they were just going to get rid of all the VHS tapes. Nobody wanted them. They were so old. Um, they just wanted to get rid of them. I think they just donating a, donated a bunch of them to like Goodwill or something. If they took it, they were such old VHS tapes. But she was able to snag for me that original Night of the Living Dead VHS that I had watched. Uh, she has held it for like three years because I haven't been over to grab it because she lives further away and she always comes to visit us. But uh, that's back in our possession. I haven't seen it, but it will be in my possession. And I think that's going to be a nice thing to have with the memories I have with the couple and growing up with them. And also with that copy of the film that would have just ended up in the trash. So this movie was incredibly groundbreaking, so much so that nothing had ever been this blunt and so stark and so grim before. You know, this movie was unrated, and in this uh, particular situation, these kind of movies were just, uh, you know, Anybody, a kid, could go into the movie theater and see these horror movies, you know, horror, sci-fi, these little B-movie type things. Sometimes movies would be shown, like a, there'd be a big movie shown, and then there'd be a B-film. Kids would go on Saturday afternoons to see a little horror movie or a little scary movie. Well, up until this time, everything was just, you know, good endings and wasn't really grotesque. So a lot of kids went and saw Night of the Living Dead, and... One thing, um, there was a period of time where I was reading a lot of Roger Ebert's, um, you know, reviews and essays, and I have a lot of his books. And one thing that really describes the the reaction to the film is his review. He didn't really review the movie as much as review the reactions to the to the crowd, and he wrote the review January fifth, nineteen sixty nine. And so, like, as he's writing it, he's talking about, you know, I quote, um, there were maybe two dozen people in the audience who were over 16. The rest were kids, the kind you'd expect at a Saturday afternoon kiddie matinee. He talks about how it was a, uh, you know, a neighborhood theater, that kind of thing. The kids were in there happy. They were used to seeing things like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Attack of the Crab Monsters, stuff like that. And so he talks about how you know, the whole vibe of the theater, you know, kids getting popcorn, that kind of thing. You could Google this review. It's so good. I like to go back to it from time to time. He talks about how the kids were somewhat scared, but it was more of a delightful scare in the opening cemetery scenes. Uh, and, you know, they were just the usual thrill that they would see from like a sci-fi 
or like just a little popcorn horror film. Then he talks about when the film takes that turn. So he starts talking about how the second that the truck blows up, and if you guys have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. The truck blows up and incinerates the teenage couple. He says, I quote, at this point, the mood of the audience seemed to change. Horror movies were fun, sure, but this was pretty strong stuff. There wasn't a lot of screaming anymore. The place was pretty quiet. When the fire died down, the ghouls approached the truck and ripped apart the bodies and ate them. One ghoul ate a shoulder joint with great delight, occasionally stopping to wipe his face. Another ghoul dug into a nice mess of intestines. Then he goes on to say, The kids in the audience were stunned. They were almost completely silent. The movie had stopped being delightfully scary about halfway through and had become unexpectedly terrifying. There was a little girl across the aisle from me, maybe nine years old, who was sitting very still in her seat and crying. I don't think the younger kids really knew what hit them. They were used to going to the movies, sure. They'd see some horror movies before, sure. But this was something else. This was ghouls eating people up, and you could actually see what they were eating. This was little girls killing their mothers. This was being set on fire. Worst of all, even the hero got killed. That has always stuck with me, that entire that entire article, because it really talks about how people were not used to this. Kids were not used to this, and a lot of kids completely were thrown off guard. And a lot of those same kids eventually ended up being huge fans of the movie, and they will remember when they went back, when they think back in time to when they saw Night of the Living Dead and how it stunned them. That is the kind of film this is. It is not a happy film. It really hits you right in the gut. You guys definitely need to Google this and save it in your bookmarks if you're a fan of film, because this is an incredible um, little review. I wish more people did these kind of reviews. That's kind of like why I like talking about movies the way I do, my experiences, because when you actually hear people's experiences, not necessarily what the film is and dissecting the film and the meeting, but when you get to the experiences of people when they watch these films, it's incredible. You have some uplifting films. You have some um, terrifying films. And this was one of those that terrified people. It wasn't rated, so anybody could go see it. Um, those kids never forgot it. They never forgot that experience. They did not think that was coming. And that is why this film has stood the test of time. And I think that's why Ramiro was so good at what he did, because he continued with that, with Dawn of the Dead, you know, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, I forgot the Survival of the Dead. But his first three are complete masterpieces to me. And I actually really do like Land of the Dead. After that, it gets kind of, you know, I'm not really crazy about those films. But he was so good at just seeing how humans can treat each other. Because in his films, the zombies aren't necessarily the bad people, I guess you could say. It's always mankind that is its own destruction. And I think that's why these movies stand the test of time, especially Night of the Living Dead.
hope you enjoyed this episode of Ryan Simak Obsessions. And I haven't figured out if you guys um, want to leave me a comment about what you thought or that kind of thing. When I share this on social media, leave a comment what you thought under whatever post I make and uh, I'll respond to you guys. And also, I just kind of want to give a little update into the future over the next month or so with this channel, or not with this channel, with this podcast. So coming up, I'll be talking about a couple films with friends of mine that are that were released in the summer of 1982. One, I'm going to have my friend Sarah Nizarak from YouTube. We're going to be talking about The Thing from 1982, a film that we love so much. It may even be a two-parter. I don't know. And then the following week, we're going to be talking with my friend Jeff Messerman about Steven Spielberg's E.T. And I have some other stuff lined up. And obviously, based on schedules with other people, these are subject to change. But everybody's all confirmed. We're good to go. We just got to set a time to record over the next week. And I'm excited. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to let everybody know that this podcast exists. I would greatly appreciate it. And thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you in the next one.